for everyone else hanging out in here with me, we will be in the Gospel of Matthew this morning in chapter 11, and we will begin in verse 28 and go through verse 30. In your pew Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have pew Bibles there. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. We don't want you to leave here without the Word of God in your hands, so we want you to take that Bible home. But if you're using it to read along, you can find it on page 970 in your pew Bible. Again, that's Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. There it's written, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week we started this new series. If I stand right here, it doesn't. There we go. So last week we started this new series, uh, Dry Seasons, in in which uh, we recognize we all go through dry seasons within our life, within our our faith walk. And and at times, uh, what we once felt spiritually on fire for God, it now feels like a struggle to keep the embers going within there of some semblance of a flame. A, A dry season where Nothing we do spiritually seems to be working. We, we, we know we're on the, on, on the tracks, but, but it doesn't feel like this train is moving at the speed it used to. Or heck, we're just tired. Or even feeling just alone. You know, last week we, we learned, we discussed, and we found in God's word that, that our feelings, while they can be real also have the habit of lying to us, right? Especially for those who are in Christ, anytime we feel alone, while that is a real feeling for us, it is a complete and utter lie because we know from God's word over and over, beginning to end, that God is always with us. Amen? So another aspect of dry seasons that that we encounter is is that part where nothing seems to be working, right? We're we're trying to work out our faith, right? We're we're going to worship and we leave going, well, meh, right? That's a real feeling we have. Or, Or our prayer life has become stale and stagnant, even so far as to where it's becoming less and less existent in our life. Or studying and, and reading scripture, we, we study it, we, we read it, and, and we go, well, that was something. Just, just whatever we're trying doesn't seem to be working, right? That, that flame that we once had on fire for God seems to be extinguished, if not in the process of being extinguished. 
And, and as that comes, right, there's, there's two ways to go. There, there's relying on Christ, but, but then there's a trap we fall into in our flesh because of our pride, because of our ego. We, we, we lack the ability to be vulnerable to the king of all kings and the Lord of lords. And when we let our pride and our ego get in the way where we're not vulnerable with our Savior, we either just put our hands up and walk away and say, well, I tried, and we move on with our lives. Or we tend to dig deeper, work harder to do more than we've ever done before. There is a, a story in Scripture that Jesus tells, and, and he tells this of a, a father who has two sons. It, it's, a, it's an incredible story, really, uh, with many dynamics going on. And this father has two sons, a, an older son and a younger son. And, and the younger son just comes to him one day and was like, I want out. I'm done. Give me everything that's mine. I'm leaving. Right? He, he just throws his hands in the air. He, he gives up on the whole family situation. Nothing to do with him any longer and goes off to live his life in the world apart from his father and his family. And the, the older son, though, he, he stays behind. He doesn't ask for his, but, but there's not much of a relationship with the father there either for he's, he's busy working hard and doing what's right and, and making sure that everything he's supposed to do, he gets done so that he earns what is actually his. Later in that story, the younger son comes back after everything is squandered, and, and he begins wondering, well, I've lost everything. Maybe I can come back and, and work for my dad and be one of his servants. At least they do well in life, better than I'm doing. And as he approaches his father in this humble spirit, being really vulnerable about how he squandered everything in his life, his father just comes running at him, hugs him, throws on a robe, gives him the family ring, throws a feast for him. He was coming back, expecting to have to work hard to make up for all that he had done. But the older brother, he didn't go to the party. He didn't go to the festival. He stays off out in the field, and there as he's out there, he's, he's grumbling and he's moaning because why? Because he's been working hard the whole time. He's been working extra hard because his brother left him with everything to do by himself, and he's the only one to do it all the time, still having nothing to do with his father. And so his father goes to him. And he, he's grumbling. Why, why don't I get a party? And he goes, what do you mean, why don't you get a party? This has all been yours. You've always been here with me. Two sides, same coin. But we can get into this dry season where the flame's gone out or it's going out and, and we're left with those embers. And, and so we're, we're like, well, it, we're going to work harder. I'm going to go grab some more logs to throw on the fire. I've got some coal sitting right here to heap on top of it. Or when I was a kid and we had a fire going, got down to the embers, I got the poker and started poking around with the embers and see if I couldn't pile them up just right. And then 
get the, get the blower going. Maybe I can get a flame just big enough that'll catch something else on fire. Because we work hard. Because we are, after all, a nation, a, a, a people built on being self-made. We are a pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps kind of people. That's, that's what makes us who we are, that, that when, the, when things get tough, the tough get going, right? Like, we, we prepare when things slow down. We begin working harder to make things get, speed back up. We put our full effort, our full force behind it. When, when we're doing that, we're, we're the older brother off in the field, or, or we're even the younger brother when we come back thinking we've got to work our way back into good graces. We've got to work our way back into things being right again. However, the thing about all of this is, is that our faith is in Christ. And that's just it. Faith in Christ. Not trust in my own ability and gifts and graces to overcome all obstacles ever put in my way. Smarter, faster, stronger, wittier than anybody else. So, so throw something at me and, and I'll overcome it all by myself. Watch me. I'll get on top of that podium. Trust in God is what our faith calls for. Not faith in my plans for my life that I'll do as I will and please. And when things don't go my way, well, I'll twist somebody else's arm to make sure they go my way. No, you see, it's, it's Jesus. And it's, and it's Jesus alone. For The author of Hebrews tells us this. He says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Perfecter meaning finisher. He is the one who begins our faith and the one who finishes it. It is Jesus who does the work of our faith for us. And the scriptures tell us what God began as a good work in you, he will bring to completion. The scripture doesn't say what God has begun as a good work in you, you must work your whole life and hope that you get it good enough to get in. That's not the way of Jesus. It's a lie. He, for, for Jesus, here in Matthew, he's the one who explicitly tells us, he, he says, come to me. He says, go to him and, and there he will give us rest. It's not go to Jesus and he'll heap on you more work than you've ever had in your life. Come to me and I will give you rest to those who labor and are heavy laden. See, it says Jesus is talking. Those who are around him, there's scribes and Pharisees and, and, and they're Jewish people. And so they have the Mosaic law. They have faith in God, but they have taken their teachings from faith in God and, and made them more religious, brought about a, a, a religiosity and, and turned their faith in God into hard labor. 
that there is now a, a crushing weight of personal responsibility. Today, we, we might call this in the church world legalism, right? That there's so many rules, you must follow all the rules, miss one rule, and your salvation is at risk. And you've got to work hard to follow those rules. But Jesus calls to himself those who are falling in this trap. He calls to himself those who are relying on their self and their work for their salvation to let it go and come to him. And he will give you rest. See, we can all feel the weight of sin in our lives, the dark recesses of our souls, we know what they are, the, the baggage we carry daily into relationships, the things that we've packed far away and, and, and tried to lock up, cover up with a sheet, put over in that one room that nobody goes into, hoping God does not find it because we don't want to deal with this because we know it's not good and we have to make up for it, Right? We have to work hard to overcome this, this mistake, this sin in my past. And so now we're going to spend our lives as if we're the younger brother trying to come back, the younger son trying to come back. I've screwed everything up. I've, I ran away from everything. And now, you know, if I can come back and just work as a servant and work my way back into the good graces of the Father. Essentially, what we're asking to do is to be our own savior and atone for the sin ourselves. Friends, that's simply not the case. Go to Jesus. He alone can heal you and save you from your sins because after he invites us to come to him, those who labor and are heavy laden, he tells us what it's like to rely on him, to rely on Christ and not on ourselves. For he says, I will give you rest. Rest. And then he says exactly how he's going to give us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in my heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest. A peaceful rest. Not more work, but rest. Found only in Christ. But we're quick to lose sight of that. We're quick to lose sight of what he's actually asking us to do. And that's to hitch ourselves to him and his yoke. See, we're, we're so busy out there trying hard to do this on our own because we know our ability and, and we think we're pretty darn good at what we do. And we're pretty good at taking care of ourselves. Look how far we've made it. You made it, we've made it today taking, to today taking care of ourselves, haven't we? No, of course not. But by the grace of God, we're here today. See, if we're trying to do this all on our own, 
and have faith in Jesus, we're doing it completely wrong. Jesus says, come to me and take my yoke upon you. Now, not many of us grew up in the time before tractors, and so understanding what a yoke is is, is a bit foreign to us. So yokes are, are the big crossbar that would go over the, the necks of the cattle on top of them, and all of the farming equipment attaches, what they're going to pull behind, whether it's a plow or a harvesting. And, and by attaching cattle together with a yoke, they could pull bigger equipment, accomplish more, and there's more power uh, for, for the job is evenly distributed between both cattle then. Not one doing more than the other, but they're doing it together. And Jesus wants us to be yoked to him and to learn from him as, as he teaches us and our faith grows. Dane Ortland, who writes uh, the book Gentle and Lowly, which is one of the books out on the table out there on the green or teal tablecloth. He, he writes in his book just about this, about the heart of Jesus and being gentle and lowly, but about his yoke as well. He, he says that our idea and our notion that we are to work all by ourselves and, and do this work on our own and, and we refuse Jesus's yoke is as if there's a man out in the ocean where it's storming and he's drowning. And now he's been offered a life preserver. But the man who's drowning in the storms in the ocean screams back, no way, not me. I can't possibly take the burden of the life preserver on top of everything else going on. Do you know how hard it is drowning in the ocean in the midst of a storm and to add the weight of a life preserver? I definitely won't make it then. It seems a bit preposterous when we think of it in that manner. But that's how we treat our own lives and our, and our spiritual lives. And when we get into these dry seasons... And we're like, well, I can work harder to get that flame back. Look at what I can do to get back into these good graces. We're drowning in a storm out in the ocean, saying, no, 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 Jesus, what you have to offer will only weigh me down. How silly and foolish are we? See, Jesus' yoke isn't more work. Its burden is light. His yoke is easy. Later in that book, Dane will say that his yoke is as if it's filled with helium. It lifts us up. For his heart is gentle and lowly, and, and he is approachable in our labor, in our pain, in our weakness. And in doing so, he connects us to him, to his yoke. Not so that the work of our faith is now evenly distributed between the two of us, but because his yoke is easy and his burden is light, it lifts us up. And there's not two doing the work of what one was. It's because the one is now doing the work. And he will give you rest. 